Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about finding music that you don't normally find. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. If it's your first time listening to the show, please ignore me for a second. But if you've listened to many, many episodes and you have never left us a review, please go ahead and do that now. You can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, and it truly makes a difference in terms of how many teachers we reach. Today's podcast is inspired by an article which was written by Joanna. This is called Five Books to Take Your Piano Students Around the World. I'm going to go a little bit broader and talk about seeking out music that you don't normally hear or don't normally teach or don't normally play in general. This is so important for our students because it helps to make our studio more representative. For example, if you have students from different cultures, you want to represent their music in your studio to the best of your ability. Now, not everything fits the piano, so please don't hear that I'm saying that all music should be taught equally. There is more music in the piano canon from a certain perspective, that's for sure. But it doesn't mean we can't explore other music and apply it to the piano and learn about it in a more general music sense. When we represent our students' culture in our studio, it shows them that we see them, that we care about where they come from, and that what we're teaching them is relevant to their lives. It's not just about what we say goes. It's um, a more collaborative process. It's all of us together, all of music, all of the world. When we teach more different styles of music, it also helps our students and us to understand the world better and take off our blinkers. We all have them, okay? No matter how diverse you try to be in your musical tastes or how much you try to be inclusive of all different musical backgrounds, all that stuff. I'm trying to do that. I'm sure you are too. But we all have blind spots. It's the way it is. We grew up in a certain area, we listened to certain music, we took piano lessons or violin lessons growing up. So we have a different perspective. And while that's great, we do need to understand the world and understand 
all the different perspectives out there to the best of our ability to see where our students are coming from and to also know where our music comes from. It's all well and good to play some salsa-inspired piece by a current American composer, for example. But if you don't know the background of salsa, that means less to you. You don't know anything about the dance if you've never seen it. If you don't know anything about the origins of that music, that's a very different thing to play. So I'm not against music that is by composers who are not from the original um, tradition, composing it in that style. I think that's great. But it's up to us as a performer, as a teacher, as a student to look into that and see where did it come from, to be curious about it. And that will broaden our musical knowledge and our musical base so that we can understand the world better, ultimately. I truly believe that. World music or music from outside of our normal classical European teaching space can also make the music more relevant to our students. They are not hearing Mozart. Well, maybe they are hearing a bit of Mozart, let me be fair. They're not hearing Stravinsky, Rachmaninoff, every day, are they? So what music are they hearing and where did that come from? If your student listens entirely to video game music, well, what's that inspired by? If they love music from anime films, what's that coming from? What's the tradition behind that? What inspires that music? If we start to understand these things and relate them back to our students so they can understand them too, then music becomes relevant to them, part of their lives. They see themselves as musicians and they see themselves represented in the music they're learning. Because if we never see, for example, as a random example, a female president, we are less likely to imagine ourselves as women as a president. Now, it doesn't mean it's impossible, it doesn't mean we can't think big and go beyond that, but we're much more likely to see it as something we could do if we see someone else like us do it. No matter what category we're talking about, whether we're talking about gender, as I just did, or ethnic background, or height, anything. If we don't see ourselves represented, if we look at basketball and see all tall people, we don't think that a short person can do that. And maybe we're right in that case. But in many areas, we could be doing it. Our students could be doing it, but they still don't see themselves in that role. So that's a bit about why we're doing this. Now let's look for the music. Where do you look for music that you don't normally find? That's the tricky part, right? I think you're already on board. Even before my little introduction, I think you were probably already on board, weren't you? But you have to find the music. And that is so hard. We know where to look for classical pieces, collections. We know where to look even for some pop arrangements and stuff like that. But if we want to go beyond that, where do we look? Now, in Joanna's post, she is talking about five books. And she goes much beyond that. And I highly recommend you read her full article but she does list these five books and I'm not going to even list them here because it's the easy answer and it's 
usually the wrong answer. Those five books would be a great starting point. Go look up the article, check them out. But I think we need to break out of that. I think we need to go beyond looking for books, which is really what Joanna comes to in the end as well. If we just rely on looking up the latest publications from our favourite music publishers and hoping that they come up with more diverse options, well, that's one thing, and that's great. And we should support that effort and, I believe, buy those books, look into them. If they're relevant for our students, don't waste your money. But if they're relevant for our students, if we think our students might enjoy them or we want to play them ourselves for our own development... I think that's wonderful and that's a great place to start. But I'm not going to list those five books here because I think in most cases we need to go outside of publications. The first step I think you should actually take is to ask your students. I come back to this again and again in so many areas because it's so important. There's no point you seeking out anime music that I just mentioned if you don't have students who watch anime. I do have one right now who's asked me repeatedly and he's being very understanding about the fact that I'm finding it super hard to find relevant music. But if you don't have that student, if none of your students watch those films or some other area, right? If they don't have that influence in their lives, if it's not relevant to them, then yeah, you could still explore it as a general exploration, but you're going to do much better with starting with something that is relevant to them. So ask them. And then if you get influences back, if you get different things, like one of them likes anime and the other one loves Cuban music, well, great. Teach that to the student in question and also mix it around your studio because that immediately becomes more relevant to that student just because they kind of know someone who likes that music, right? This was a request of another student you met him at a group workshop or you saw him in this concert or maybe they've never met each other but it still is a direct connection for them they can see how someone else around their age from their area from their background likes this and thinks it's relevant and that's great now if you don't have those requests or you want to go another direction another great way to go is to look at the background of the music you do know yourself or that your student is currently learning So I mentioned that salsa piece earlier. You could go further than that, though. That's quite direct. Say they're learning a salsa piece, look up salsa. I mean, that's a direct connection. Then you could go back in time and look at where salsa came from. But you can also look at things like, say, a jazzy piece. Let's say it's the blues, just for argument's sake. So it's a blues piece. Well, where did the blues come from? It came from the most wonderful melting pot. So unpack that. Take some different elements out of it and learn different things about those components to that background. Learn about the place and the time where that music originated, where the style originated. Take one piece and just go deep into it. Figure out where it came from. You could also just pick a random country and go super deep on that. I mean, really just like have a globe in your studio and spin it and wherever your student's finger lands, that's where you're going, unless it's in an ocean. That's what always happens in that game, right? (laughs) But until they land on a country, they can keep going. And this idea just occurred to me on the spot, right? While I'm recording this podcast, but I want a globe now. I think I'm going to go buy one after this episode. I think that could be super fun. And then you explore what the music from that country is like. The current music, the folk music, any different traditions that came from there or were inspired by music from there. 
There's so many directions you could go with that. So speaking of directions you could go, what do you do with it? Once you find this music, to listen to at least, what do you do with this? I think we start by trying to decipher what makes this music, this music. Now there's going to be some intangible qualities, yes, but really if you unpack these things, there's some defining characteristics about that music that makes it sound like it's from there or in that style. So explore the rhythms that are used, unpack those, dissect them with your student, do all of this in the lesson with your student. Explore the instruments that are used, this is huge. And even explore the instruments that aren't used. I think that can be fascinating. For instance, in Chinese music, I've noticed, if you're not familiar, my husband is Chinese, so I've listened to a bit of Chinese music, including a lot of pop music from the 80s. He's an 80s kid, so... (laughs) A lot of Chinese pop from the 80s, or like pop rock kind of stuff. And I, for ages, I was listening to it when we first started going out and listening to it in his car and going, why do I not like this? And it wasn't because it was in Chinese and it wasn't because of anything else. I kept trying to decide, it just feels empty to me. Why does this feel so empty? And then I realized there was no bass. It was lacking in bass. Now, more recent Chinese music does include bass. It's much more Western in style. But this stuff we were listening to, there was no bass. They just left it out. Like, what were they doing? And then you look into folk music, and there's not a lot of bass instruments in Chinese folk either. So that's where it comes from. But to me, it felt like, what? This isn't connecting with me. What is it? Now, it could be a lack in that sense, or it could be something that's missing that actually makes everything more interesting. You can also look at the scales used, the harmonies used, and those kinds of things to really try and decide what makes this music this music. And then the next steps you can take depend on what defining characteristics you found and what was most interesting to you and your student when you were exploring that music. So figure out the melody by ear. That might be your go-to as a piano teacher, but it's often not the best solution for a lot of folk music, a lot of different backgrounds, because the melody is not the main focus. So it depends on the music, but maybe you figure out the melody by ear. Maybe you make a lead sheet out of it. Maybe they figure out the melody or just the chords and make a chord chart, um, if there are words, and make that together, construct it together. It doesn't have to be super precise or you know, win any awards or be able to be published. It's just for you and your student to do together. Maybe you compose a piece using a similar rhythmic structure. If it's this rhythm against that rhythm, twos against threes or something much more complex, you compose something together using that structure. And yes, it won't sound like it's from that place, but it will be inspired by it. And it can be a fascinating process to go through. And maybe just maybe, you can borrow an instrument that's from that culture. If you do explore, say, Chinese music, if you can find someone who has an actual Chinese instrument, um, a native Chinese instrument, they're fascinating to explore. I messed around with some of them myself. Or whatever culture you're talking about, whatever instruments you're talking about. If you can't borrow an instrument, maybe you look up examples of it online or you borrow something similar that maybe was derived from that instrument, 
um, like if you teach piano usually and you're talking about string instruments, bring in a guitar at least and have them feel what that feels like and talk about the difference in the instrument that you're actually listening to. Let's say it's the mandolin. Well, what's different about that? How does it work differently? When it comes to exploring music that we don't normally find, seeking out music from different cultures, from different styles, it is not easy work. It does matter, though, because it's going to make your lessons much more relevant to your students, going to make them understand where their music comes from and why it matters to them in their culture, in their time. So you can start with books, but I suggest you take the less trodden, more difficult route whenever you can and really seek out the music, listen to it, dissect it, understand what makes it different, what makes it sound like it is that type of music, and then do something with it. Your one thing this week is to pick a place or a musical style. This could be something based on a student request, but it doesn't have to be. You can pick at random if you like. Then what you must do is to do something with it in your studio. Do something, pick out the rhythm, make a lead sheet, compose, do something with that music, explore it with your students in an active way and let me know how you get on. I would love to hear from you in the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers group on Facebook or on Instagram, we're at Colourful Keys. See you next week. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, Vibrant Music Teaching is the place for you. We nickname our members Flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming. We have tools to help you do that inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July. And you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.